Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words. Peter, welcome. Welcome to Mark My Words. Well, pleasure, Mark. I'm I'm thrilled and uh, somewhat overwhelmed to be here. There we are. I haven't seen you for a while, um, but we've just had a a bit of a chat as to what you've been up to. Um, Clearly, you've got decades of experience as a a surveyor, but also an investor, which is pretty rare. Um, I meet a lot of surveyors on my travels and um, whilst they know lots about RICs and uh, valuing, well, some of them know about how to value some buildings, um, uh, very few of them invest themselves and have that sort of added dimension, which must bring quite a lot to your, I don't know, your, I, I suppose it's, it's like continu- continual sort of personal development or is it continu- yes, uh, CPD, CPD, which CPD. we all have to do. Yes, we have to keep do our twen- professional, professional development. development. Sorry, I should know that. 20 hours a year yeah. we have to do. Yeah. Yes, that's right. So um, does, it, does it count? You know, you, you, you buying properties yourself? Well, it depends how you put it down on the form, I think. Right. So nobody's ever said it doesn't. But I mean, I'm always learning all the time anyway yeah. in order to do it. I mean, what, what you've just said is actually one of the things which I realised many years back was one of those strange things about property, mm. that those who are professionals in property don't necessarily fully understand what they're actually dealing with. No. One of the things which I always say here when I'm doing masterclass is that when you've done the four-day masterclass, you'll know a lot more about property investing than many people who call themselves property professionals. Yeah. It's, cr- it's crazy. I remember as, as a young surveyor... It is I, crazy. It is. If, yeah. I, if I'm allowed to say this, but I remember when I was working in a proper job, which is about sort of 25 odd years ago, as a, a partner in a firm in London, chartered surveyors doing mainly commercial property. And I remember the discussion around the coffee machine at the time that partners shouldn't invest in property, that you had the choice. You either acted for clients or you went off and became the client, but you didn't do the investing. No. And that was a whole mindset thing, which actually held me back for a long time until mm. I was able to escape yeah. The corporate structure. Uh, I mean, surely there must be a way of sort of segregating, you know, okay, fine, you're doing surveys and valuations in this area, so you don't buy in that area, you buy over there. Um, it's a bit like a police officer who often lives in a different area from where he walks the beat. Surely, surely that, that would be a, a better way of dealing with it. Well, you think so. I, I think that really it was just a, an excuse really to cover up everybody's failings and shortcomings. The fact they hadn't actually done anything with the knowledge that they possessed. Yeah, mm, that's interesting. There's quite a few walks of life like that. Aren't there? Well, I suspect there probably are. Yeah, yes. yeah. So um, moving on, just, just talk to us a little bit about how you've been growing your portfolio uh, in more recent times, I know we we just had a chat about some of the new properties you're buying. Uh, you're starting a sort of new portfolio. Um, uh, what sort of stuff are you buying? What are you doing? Yeah, I, I mean, things change all the time, don't they? Another thing which I always say when I'm teaching here on Masterclass, that you think you're going to go from A to B, but you actually go via C, D, E, F and G and all that yeah. kind of... So things do change. And traditionally, I've always bought up in the Northeast, which has been a great place for me, really good for the cash flow. But in more recent times, I've been sort of splitting what I'm doing, moving on. Partly, actually, because of Progressive coming here six years ago, sort of changed my outlook on everything, which was great. So two, two things which I've done, which are perhaps um, a little bit different to what I normally do, is that 
The first is that I bought a plot of land about two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. I know that anybody who's listened to the Progressive Property Podcast will probably remember me mentioning this a while back. But it's happened, everybody. I've actually got planning now to, to go and build my bungalows. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Can you believe it? Taken two and a half years. Yeah. Little plot of land, which already had planning for two semi-detached properties. And my JV partner thought we had a very good chance because we were able to... Fun, funnily enough, we, we bought the plot of land and then the neighbour came out and said, would you like to buy a strip of land which is about six foot wide, which runs alongside? So like a ransom strip? A L- little bit like that, but, but we picked it up for about a grand. So oh, okay. in the scheme of things, it was, yeah. it was next yeah. to nothing. But the architect looked at it and he said, well, with that extra six feet down the side, we can probably get five terraced houses on that. Mm. Mm, that's what we said. Yeah. So we said, let's go for it. So we put the plans in. Do the planners like it? No. So for two and a half years, just bouncing backwards and forwards, and redrawing plans over and over. What was their opposition to the five terraces overdevelopment? Or what were they? Well, it all came down to parking, I think, oh, ultimately. Yeah. But that, that's where they get you on everything, isn't it? Was well, it parking standards, what are they, one or two? I think they needed two, per, two or yeah. two, or, and then, then a couple extras for visitors and all this kind of stuff mixed in. Parking in survey, Could you, did you try that? We didn't. In the end, we just sort of kept scaling back and scaling back. But my JV partner, who's quite experienced in developing anyway, he he realised actually if we just went for a sort of compromise, went for three bungalows. Yeah. Because bungalows actually sell for quite a lot more than a terraced house anyway, and they are cheaper to build because they're only building one yeah. story. Yeah. We'd actually make the same amount of money doing three bungalows as we would doing five houses. And and sort of get the planners off your back. It, it is just uh, to me the whole planning system is a game. It's all a big game, and you've just got to know more ways around, more rules of the game, so that you can end up putting more profit into your schemes. Mm. That's mm. my attitude. Mm. Um, you know, I, it took me, on average, it probably takes me about a year to get planning on the conversion schemes that I've been doing. Uh, but the reality is, there's probably six months before that, getting the planners to a place where they think we're ready to put the application in. So. Uh, you know, on, uh, more recently, it's probably taken me eighteen months mm. to get to get consent. Mm. Um, yeah, so um, it's just part of the game, and you've got to factor it in. You, you've you've it got to is. know that up front. It is. I mean, the great thing now is that the project's now ready in the sense we've got the planning. We're just going through agreeing the details with, with, the, with the planners. So we're choosing our bricks and oh, all okay. that kind of extent. Really so you're stuff. applying to remove the conditions. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we'll, we'll do all that. And we're hoping to get the foundations in before Christmas. And then mm. we'll start building the new year. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty positive. So congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose if, if it's one of your early ones, you get this done. Uh, clearly, there's some good profit in it. You get to the end. Is that going to then spur you on to go and do more of that type of Absolutely. project? Absolutely. I mean, that, I mean the, the, the goal now over the next few months will be to find projects two and three. Yeah. I'd like to have three on the go at any one time because, yeah. as you say, they've got to go through the pipeline. Yeah. And if you need 12 months, 18 months to get it to a point before you can start building, you, you need to have a few on the go. You've just got to factor it in. You've got to accept, you know, that's what it is. Uh, you know, and, and if you need finance or, 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 or whatever, maybe the finance doesn't start until, you know, until you've got the consent, which is mm. normally how development finance works. Um, you know, and you need to have that expectation up front. This is not permitted development. But mm. clearly the margins are... Mm. Much higher. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's great. I mean, some of the things that you learn along the way, though, the things that the planners actually threw at us, because mm. the plot of land itself is on a, a cul-de-sac, 
and there's only two other houses. I mean, it's quite a long cul-de-sac, but there's two other houses, and it goes up to a T-junction with a fairly minor road which goes through the local town. But one of the things which the planners threw at us was that they were worried about the traffic increase at the junction, particularly because there's double yellow lines either side of the junction, and people park on the double yellow lines. Mm, but uh, that, that's... We're thinking, well, go and get some traffic wardens then. I mean, it's not a planning issue. No. Surely. That's they, a highways issue. They it, need to... Well, it is, and it's enforcement. And um, they've, they've done that with me. Mm. Um, they've, they, they did that with a pub that I was converting, saying, oh, well, we think uh, cars will park outside the pub. Um, and that's where the bus... Um, comes and, 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 and pulls over to the side to let oncoming traffic through, that is not a, a valid planning objection. No. And neither is people uh, parking on double yellow lines. Absolutely. They are not enforcing against. Absolutely. Um, so, um, but sometimes it's good when they come out with arguments like that because if it ever goes to appeal or if you get another officer in or you manage to reason with the, the head of planning or, or whatever... All of those types of objections, you know, when, when someone comes in who actually is reasonable, they, they know they can't make those objections. Um, so, yeah, the more annoying ones are the, oh, insufficient amenity or, um, you know, the, the more vague things that, that, that can't be quashed quickly, mm, I find. Yeah. Um, the ones neighbours don't make, because normally the neighbours say things like that, don't they? Yes. Have you had that? Well, we had a classic one yeah. from the neighbour because not far away, yeah. there's actually a crane hire place. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it sounds awful, but it's actually sort of away and it's shielded by trees, so yeah. it's not too bad. But the, the people who run the, the, the crane hire business actually yeah. objected to us building houses yeah. because they said that the people who live in the houses would be affected by their noise. You can't, you can't really make this stuff up. So Yeah, well, actually, I've had objections like that from local nightclub owners. Uh, well, one in particular who saw an application that I'd made and objected. And I thought that he, he couldn't get anywhere with that. But the council took it seriously. And I got a... Um, it, it, that that was off the back of um, a court case in the last couple of years. Uh, it's called the Agent of Change. Mm -hmm. And if you're coming in and you're... you're if, if, if the crane hire place is established and it's making lots of noise... Um, and you're going to introduce residents to that area, they could potentially take them to magistrate's court uh, with some relatively new legislation and get the crane hire company shut down, or at least a noise abatement order issued, I think it is. Um, so then the planners have to consider that, uh, the fact that this may shut down a local business. Mm. Or curtail their activities, mm. which I found bizarre as well. It is bizarre, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, but um, what I also found was um, the crane hire company may have a planning condition which prevents them from making a certain amount of noise and within certain hours of operation, and they may be breaking those conditions, and therefore when you do your noise report, it, it has to only consider that noise during the hours that the planning condition allows mm. that. Did you did mm. you get any of that? Or? Not as far as I'm aware, no. no. You didn't no. have to do a noise report? Not as far as I'm aware, no. Oh, right. It's so mainly mine, just, mining reports. The council just sure. ignored them, yeah. basically. We yeah. drilled lots of big holes to make sure there's nothing underneath. Oh, because you've got mine shafts? Well, in theory, but we knew there wasn't. But they, they still wanted us report. to drill, drill the holes anyway. Yeah, so, okay. These, just, these things happen, don't they? Yeah, 
We don't get that around here. No. Yeah. No. No. But there I was, you see, two and a half years ago, naively thinking, well, there's a housing shortage in this yeah. country. The planners are going to love it if we build five affordable houses. It's not like we're building five large, you know, five five bedroom detached houses in a walled estate. They'd have probably These are affordable it. housing. They'd have probably preferred it, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah. Because then the you'd have met the parking standards and <laughs> um, you wouldn't have caused, you know, the same level of traffic because obviously five terraced houses is going to cause it. Of course. You know, it's going to be a highway safety issue. Yeah. Potentially. So there we go. Any politicians listening to this, do something about it. This is what we're really dealing with in real life. I suppose they're called permitted development rights, aren't they? Mm, that's mm. That, that, that's the way around it. Mm. Um, hopefully, once Brexit's done, this government will introduce some more. Mm. Um, Jeremy Corbyn will probably take them away mm. uh, if ever he becomes prime minister, which is looking less likely, thankfully. Mm. Mm. Um, but uh, you, you never know, do you? You never know. I sort of said that a couple of years ago. Mm. Okay, so um, sort of moving on. Investment-wise, have you have you have you been sort of what sort of stuff have you been doing? Do you see new opportunities? Do you see changes in the marketplace? Uh, and how have you been capitalising on those? Yeah, great question. Well, a couple of things I've been doing. One of which you will remember because we talked about it on when we went to Cayman on the Cayman retreat, which is I own. I owned one flat in a block of 14. Yes. Where all the owners were at each other's throats. I mean, literally, literally at meetings, we had people shouting, swearing, crying, walking out of the freeholders meetings. (laughs) And not surprisingly, the block was beginning to deteriorate because nobody could actually agree what to do and how to keep it maintained. All of the owners had let their flats out, just to explain. There were no owner occupiers. They're all owned by buy to let investors. And at that stage, I think there was eight of us we were co-owners of these 14 flats, and it was just bedlam, literally. There, there is no agreement by There was committee. no agreement. No. But it wasn't even just no agreement. It was everybody was falling out. Mm. When we went to Cayman, we were talking about this, and it seemed like the only way for me to actually be able to make any sense of it was probably to sell my flat and move on. <laughs> but having had a thought, think about it, I thought, do you know what? I can see a potential here to do something with the block. Mm. So I was a little bit sneaky, maybe, but I managed to get four of the owners to sell me their flats. Yeah, nice. Which, which was hard because if any one of the four had actually sort of realised that uh, I was trying to get all of these flats, they would probably have doubled the price, I would mm. have imagined. But somehow or other, probably through luck, I managed to pick them off one by one and buy T- them. Tenacity. Secret, secretly. Yeah. And then the big reveal at one of the freeholders' meetings, when everybody was expecting... Once you'd completed. Once I'd completed, and I said, by the way, I've just bought those. They, they were, everyone was saying, well, where are they? They're at the, where are they, why are they at the meeting? Ta-da! And I said, actually, I'm the new owner. I am the owner. Which, what, what was their response? Well, they were absolutely gobsmacked. Are they? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, I mean, it's been great since, because we have now managed to get a consensus around what we do with the blocks. Yeah. One of the very first things we did uh, is we put a great big fence up around it. Brilliant. And an electric gate. Mm. So it's now got secure parking and it stops all the local people walking through and using it as a right of way and dropping their rubbish. Yeah, the yobos, drinking, yeah. drinking in the car park. Drinking in the car park, yeah. all that kind of stuff, yes. Yeah. Which has made a massive difference. And we started tidying the blocks up. And uh, yeah, I think we've, we're adding and have added, but we're definitely adding mm. value. The other thing which I've done is I've slightly changed my gold mine area. Mm. I'm st- those properties are still up in the northeast. I'm still open to opportunities up in the northeast. But my son-in-law-to-be has, has sort of uh, come under my wing a little bit. Mm. And as he's going to be my son-in-law, I kind of feel like 
I need to do something just to make sure that he is able to provide for my daughter mm. in years to come. So we're starting to do JVs together, and he's outsourcing properties around Nottingham. So what that, sort of stuff? Little terraced houses again. Single lets? Single lets, yeah. 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 Well, which is my bread and butter. I love doing yeah. that kind of yeah. stuff. All, all refurbs, of course. Yeah. They, they are following the classic BRR model. Yeah. They always need to have something doing to them, yeah. add some value. We, we just completed on our most recent one about two or three weeks ago. Yeah. And that was a fantastic one because, strange story, but my son-in-law was badgering me a little bit saying, what shall I do next? What shall I do next? And I yeah. thought, well, I better send him off to look at something. Yeah. So I went on to Rightmove, just scrolling through, just one Friday afternoon. Took me yeah. about, literally took me about three minutes to find a house on Rightmove, yeah. which I thought, I'll, I'll send him off to look at this yeah. one. Not expecting that anything was going to come of it, but I thought it would just he be good for his education. Yeah. He could learn. So I sent him off to look at this property and um, he rang me. He said, well, I'm here. I've just met the agents, but the agents are going to take it off the market. And I said, why? And he said, well, there's been some kind of a leak in the roof and the walls are all sort of pretty moldy and horrible. And the owners didn't know that this leak was happening. The property's empty. They're going to take it off. I said, well, don't let them do that. I said, while you're there, just, just tell them to slow down and tell them we will make an offer but subject to the terrible conditions so mm. that their client doesn't have to do the work. Mm. So the property was on at 140, and he said, well, what shall I offer? Now, bearing in mind I wasn't expecting anything to come of this, and I would normally say, you've got to go through your figures and understand it, see, you know, work out the refurb cost, blah, blah, blah. 20 grand. But I had a gut feeling, and I said, well, offer them 115 and see what they say. So, so you took 25 off? Yeah. It, not expecting them to, to, to you know, yeah. 10 minutes later. He says, we've just done the deal at 118 and a half. Oh, nice. And I thought, oh, yeah. well, I thought yeah. nice. And yeah, I yeah. thought, hang on, what am I actually buying? Yeah, here? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we worked it out. Yeah, because us. you'd expected him to come back uh, and I'd say, say no. no and, but it'd yeah, be a good yeah. education. Yeah, but yeah. then we are suddenly with this deal, which I wasn't expecting, a property I've not even seen, yeah. breaking all the rules. Yeah. But my son-in-law sort of came back from the viewing, we talked it through, and we realised that a lot of it was cosmetic. There was a hole in the roof, which I later discovered was about four slip slates. Yeah. Uh, it had been, the rain had been pouring through, but it hadn't got to the stage yet where we've got to do all the extensive replastering. Yeah. We're told the agents we thought we needed to do. Of course. And a lot of it's well, just it's about to fall down, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, look at it. What, 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 what lend is ever going to lend on this? <laughs> well, they wouldn't. Absolutely yeah. wouldn't. I mean, and, it looked horrible. And I've noticed some Japanese, Japanese knotweed in the background. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't actually need to do that because, because just prior to completion, I suddenly realised, I thought, hang on a sec. I bet nobody's actually done anything about that hole in the roof. So mm. just prior to completion, about a week before completion, I grabbed the keys and I went back. And unfortunately, my son-in-law wasn't able to go with me, but I took loads of photos. And I sent him the photos and I said, does this look worse? Imagining that it must, if there'd been a hole in the roof and the rain had kept pouring. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, it's much worse. He said, the kitchen, the kitchen was fine before. Now the kitchen ceiling's all soggy. And I said, great. I said, right, this is what we're going to do. You're going to go back to the agent's. And you're going to tell them that I'm hopping mad because nobody's fixed the hole in the roof and mm. they've just let it carry on. They were supposed to fix it. Well, they, well, they weren't technically. We, we were taking it as seen, in fairness. But just tell them I'm hopping mad because mm. it's worse. And we want another five grand off. Mm. So he went back to them. There's a lot of umming and ahhing. The, the vendor didn't like it. The this vendor quite, said... This is quite good as well because you can just get him to do it. Exactly. So you're like, oh, this is easy. And it gets him sort of building a bit more front and, and gets him to push through a bit of a barrier himself. Absolutely. It's quite it's easy good, for you to... Yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. it was good cop, bad cop yeah. type thing, but yeah. he was getting the, the learning of actually having to deal with the agents and, and express all this. 
But the vendor got a little bit cross and said, right, well, I'm putting it back on the market then. So we had to go back to the agent and say, look, you don't really want it back on the market. I mean, look at it. You're never going to sell it. You're not, not going to get the mortgage. Mm. You know, tell them to knock the five grand off. Well, in the end, they knocked another three and a half off. Mm. We got it for 115 as See, opposed back, to back to the 115, yeah, yeah. which is fine. So this is very current. We're, we're around there now. Uh, son-in-law's overseeing the refurb, which is basically just redecorating mm. a lot of it. Oh, really, Peter? But I, I thought you'd got to rebuild the whole thing. <laughs> Put a new damper, of course, in. <laughs> and hopefully tenants... New felting and yeah, tiles. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's, it's amazing what damage four slates can cause, isn't it? Mm. And those four slates have cost a couple hundred quid to get them put back in place. Yeah. And a few other ones which look like they could go just clipped back. Yeah. But the roof's now been overhauled for, for you know, hundreds of pounds, not thousands. Mm. And the tenants hopefully going to be moving in in three days' time. Fantastic. And refurb, what did it cost you, roughly? Uh, so far, it's been about two and a half, three grand. Oh, God. So you're, uh, and, and then you're going to go and get it revalued? We'll do six months' time. Yeah. Get it revalued. What sort of level do you think you might be about to? If, ifs and buts. But, um, I mean, it was on at it's 140, but there are a few on the, in, the, in the street which have been refurbed to a very nice standard, which are on at 160. Oh, nice. So I'd say yeah, somewhere yeah. to 140 and 150 or yeah. be what we're aiming for. And, and then you, what's it rented at? Uh, about 700 a month. Yeah, great. So lovely little solid invest mm. by to let. Mm. Uh, and I expect he'll keep that, you know, for the rest of their lives. Yeah. 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 Well, we've gone halves on it. So that's nice. Interesting, actually, how we we um, financed it, because um, I, I was trying to teach him about the virtues of joint ventures. Yeah, and he's a very proactive young man. He's moved to Nottingham to be with my daughter. Yeah, and he suggested to his parents, who lived in Kent, that they should also move, ready for the time when they're grandchildren, they yeah. can babysit, and yeah. they agreed. So I was saying to him, right, how are we going to actually pay for this house? And he said, hmm, I tell you what. My parents are just moving from Kent up to Nottingham. Yeah. They've got a bit of spare cash. Let's get the money off them. And I yeah, say, great right. idea. Yeah. So he, very proactively, he went off and he found JV Finance. So it's 100% financed by a third party. Oh, brilliant. So he's so, sort of borrowing the money off them. Yeah. So yeah. for us, it's a no money down deal. Yeah. And you're right. We will keep it forever. And we've gone halves. He's, he's done the, the project management and he yeah. raised the finance. Yeah. I obviously did the, the hard work of finding it on Rightmove, yeah. which took me all of five minutes. Yeah. And, and then he'll refinance it, a chunk of the money will go back to the parents. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. you guys will have a nice keep, investment. Keep, it, keep and, it forever. And then it's going in a limited company, I presume? It's in a limited company, yeah. yes. And, yeah. um, and then you'll, you'll help him run the limited company and, and sort of he'll learn on the job. Indeed, indeed, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the first of many, hopefully. Mm. Congratulations, I like mm. it. Mm. Um, so what, what are the sort of, you know, opportunities are you seeing at the moment? I mean, areas like that are rents rising. We've been talking this morning about, uh, you know, the sort of landlord tax attacks and, you know, banning tenant fees and all these other mm. things that have mm. got the media all whipped up and scared some landlords. Mm. Uh, so there have been less buying and more selling. Um, have you seen rents rising in your areas? Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I'm not an expert on my new gold mine area, but my perception is that rents have been rising. The one thing I have seen there, though, is that capital values are definitely rising, Yeah, which is really counterintuitive because you'd think with Brexit and everything that's happening at the moment, I don't know when people will be listening to this interview, but 
with Brexit and the uncertainties at the moment, you'd think that things would be fairly stodgy. But I think it's very patchy. There's some areas where people obviously just thought, well, to be honest, we just got to keep living, yeah. keep moving on. Yeah. You sit on your hands for, forever. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen. And I think... They're playing catch-up, aren't they? You know, London and the South rose so much, you know, at the beginning of this cycle, maybe 2010. Um, and there's such a differential that the Midlands and the North are mm. still playing catch-up, I suppose. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my portfolio in the northeast. I mean, that that's just about got back to two thousand and seven values, is it? Yeah. which is a little bit depressing. Yeah, but I mean, I haven't got to cash them in, and I'm living off the cash flow, so yeah. that's fine. But it just shows you how long it's taken mm. to, for some areas, and it's As rising a, now. It, it it is, but I mean, we're talking like sort of like two percent per annum. Yeah. It's it's nothing spectacular. One of the big things, actually, which nobody really talks about, I think, is the way that the banks actually have got some input into this, whether they realise it or not. Now that, for example, the, the minimum valuation is 50 grand. Okay. And if you're sat in London at head office, you probably think, well, that doesn't really make any difference to anybody. But if no. you come up to the northeast, you can still buy properties, you know, at or below 50 grand. Yeah. Which have now become cash buy only. Yeah. And so that's pushed that, the value down further. Well, it's certainly holding it back, I would think. Yeah. I mean, the only alternative is for everybody to say, right, well, let's just sort of reset the system and everything's now worth 50 and sort of move on. But whether, yeah. whether you can do that or not is actually a different... Matter. Well, there'll be some sort of double whammy at some point, won't there? Because they'll just tip over that point and then you'll get double bubble growth on the low-end stuff mm. um, once they're mortgageable again. Which is exactly what I saw when I first started buying in the year 2000. Was it? I mean, just to sort of give you an idea of the sort of crazy figures at the time, I was, I was buying two and three-bedroomed properties for sort of fifteen, eighteen thousand pounds 18000 Nice. Whereabouts? Uh, around Newcastle, yeah. Gateshead, yeah. North Shields, South Shields, yeah. all those kinds of yeah. places. And within a couple of years of starting to buy, they, they went from sort of like 18 up to about 30. Yeah, nice. Then they went up to 50. Yeah. Then they went up to 70. Then yeah. they went to 80. Yeah. And then the crash came and they yeah. fell back down. Yeah. Not to 18, but they sort of fell down sort of like the sort of 50-ish mark. Yeah. But, um, Yeah. So I could quite see that happening and you get the double whammy growth. Mm, it, it'll all come again, won't it? I mean, things, do you not think, you know, I, I hear a lot, especially in, I live in Stamford and someone was looking round some properties there the other day and the agent was showing them some, I don't know, some properties and he, he said to me, he goes, oh, the, the yield was 4% or whatever. Mm. And I don't think he quite realised that the yield was 4% because the capital values are high and because it's in that area and they're all going to be 4% in that mm. area or they're all going to be low in that area. That's just a function of it. But he said, oh, the agent said to me, yeah, it is a low yield, but what you what you lose in yield, it just gets made up for in capital growth. Mm. And I just sort of said, well, it's not quite that simple. Mm. Um, and I am of the belief now, of course, areas up north, they're different mm. and they're in different sort of, you know, it's a different economy up there. Um, but if you took, say, Peterborough and Stamford, if you took a, a three bed that yields at six and a half percent here and is 140 grand, and you took a three bed there, which is 300,000, maybe a similar size or whatever, that yields, I don't know, four or whatever. I, I believe that over, say, 20, 25 years, they roughly remain relative. They mm. just go yeah. up and down. Yeah. Do, do you agree with I that? I do. I do agree. They have to remain relative, don't they? Because it's sort of, it, if, 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 if an area is no better or worse than 
if it doesn't change over that 20 year period, if they if they don't become any better or worse, the same kind of people are living there and affordability and lending is the same, mm. you know, for both markets. Mm. Why would they Absolutely. become disconnected? No, I agree. I Just mean, because it's an ugly area doesn't mean it goes up less, more, uh, less. Yes. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, there's a number of different things, aren't there? I mean, there, there will be sort of local changes because businesses come and go, new, yeah. new hospitals, schools yeah. are built, things shut down, things open. So there will be sort of, on a, on a local area, some, some amount of dynamism. But in the sort of law of averages, you can't just say that the whole of the northeast never get capital growth, which is what people can no, tell me. Th- that's what well, I hear all the time. It's ridiculous. It of course you a, do. It's a nonsense because you do. it would never go up, and 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 prices would become so disconnected and so far away from what they are in London. Okay, all right, they are a lot less. That at some point they have to wash up. Well, they do. I mean, the, the, the two things which I think sort of really fuel that are firstly investors who are looking for yield. And what I saw in the year 2000 when I first started buying there was the number of investors who came piling in. Yeah. And it's, it's the classic ripple effect. Values yeah. ripple out from London and the values go up across the country. And it tends to be the northeast, you know, it's the furthest part away from London. It goes up last. And so you get investors chasing yield across the country. Eventually they have to pile into the northeast because the northwest, you know, Manchester, all those places have gone up and yields dropped. And so that's the last place where you can actually go and spend your cash and get an 8% yield. Yeah. So that happens. Towards the end of the cycle. Towards the end of the cycle. You know, Mayfair's at the front. If you've got a roller coaster, it's the front car. Uh, 2010, yeah. it starts growing first. Then maybe, you know, Chelsea, Kensington, whatever. You know, and then it's a bit further out, Croydon. Then, you know, Peterborough's sort of a bit further down here. And then, you know, those areas of maybe the northeast are here. And, yeah. and then maybe, the, I don't know, some areas of Scotland or Northern Ireland are back here. Yeah. And then Mayfair goes over the top in yep. 2016. Yeah. But, but down here, you've still got the northeast sort of going up. Exactly. And, 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 and the ripple is, is, is still going up that yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great analogy. And that will carry on. And when I first started buying, I actually went through the exercise of trying to plot, uh, you know, house prices on my spreadsheet, which I don't often do, yeah. actually. I'm not really a spreadsheety person. But I did to try and work out what the relative difference was between prices in, in London and the Northeast, just to see that. where we were at. Yeah. And I was expecting a jump because I was thinking, hang on a second, the, the difference at the moment is like London prices are like three times the prices in the yeah. Northeast, but the long term yeah. trend is two and a half. Yeah. Therefore, something's got to give. Either the Northeast goes up or London drops yeah. or maybe a combination of the two. But something's yeah. got to happen. But interestingly, and I make this argument all the time and most of the time that I make this argument, um, people look back with blank faces, and I don't get much. Um, I don't get much response. Uh, but clearly, you, you, we're, we're, we're a similar sort of. Um, uh, we, we think in a similar way here. Um, what's quite interesting is if you went and bought in the northeast at an eight percent yield. Mm. Yes, okay, the capital growth. If you look on nationwide house price index, because I've done mm. that. Um, exercise that you just mm. mentioned on on nationwide. Yes, I, I think I found maybe the capital growth was about two percent less on average if you took it over a fifty year period mm. than say I don't know I think it was Kensington I, com- mm. I, I, I compared it with. But if you got an eight percent yield, you're almost guaranteed to make four percent. Well, it, it, let's say in Kensington you're getting a three percent yield, mm. you're almost guaranteed to make. 
let's say, 5% more mm. than you would do in Kensington, getting a 3% yield versus an 8% yield mm. in the north. Mm. So capital growth has always got to be 5% more in the northeast, sorry, in Kensington, just to keep pace with mm. that extra money you're receiving in, 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 in terms of yield and income. Great point. So, ha- okay, fine. In terms of scale and time and, you know, you can go and buy a big property in London and dump a load of cash. And, and maybe you've got to buy a lot more in the northeast and there's a lot more management time. But other than that, there is no argument, is there, to, to go with the lower yielding unit? No, I don't think so. I don't think so, particularly when you think about how you then finesse it anyway. And I mean, obviously, you could do this on both sides of the equation, but you're not even buying it an 8% yield. I mean, the, the tone of the area, to, to use a, a sort of old valuation term, might be 8%. But the reality is that you're probably going to go and do a good deal you're going to buy a bargain property, you're going to buy one which you can refurb anyway, and you might be buying it at a, a notional gross yield of, I don't Ten. know, 12 or wh- yeah. whatever it happens yeah. to be. So you've kind of made your capital growth anyway before you even stick the tenants in. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. We were talking earlier about people investing in property funds versus investing directly into property and controlling it and how much better it is being able to go trade the market, buy something a bit cheaper, refurb it, force the capital growth, mm. and therefore, because you put so much less in, you're going to be buying off a, a much greater yield anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and A, how much better it is than buying in a fund, uh, and, and B, how much better it is than, than you know, the average person will say, oh, equities, per, you know, sort of perform better than property. But what they're not taking account of is your ability to outperform the market by mm. buying something cheaper mm. and getting a much higher than average gross yield on it. Absolutely. And then to leverage it as well. Well, I was going to say, because that's the next thing, isn't it? Because when you do it properly and when you finance it properly, then you end up with an infinite return anyway. And for those who know my story, I mean, I, I started off you know, 25 years ago being made redundant. And the very first thing which I did with, with Mrs. Jones's permission was that I took the equity out of our home and that became the seed capital for my portfolio. And that is what started my portfolio. And I'm still buying. So we have this debate, you know, at some stage you're going to run out of money. Well, you do. Who says so that? It's, you hear it said. Ra- 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 not Mrs. Jones. Not Mrs. She, Jones. You've schooled her. Exactly. Yeah. But, it's but like but Mrs. But, Homer. It, I used to get that from mm, her. But mm. now it's just not even a conversation. She just sort of, they realise after a while, don't they? Yeah. Mm. But in property here, people say it's inevitable at some stage you'll run yeah, out of money. Yeah. And you you, do, maybe yeah. you do temporarily. But I mean, I'm still buying. And I still see my buying as coming from that initial pot of money, which yeah. I took out of the equity of my own home. The point being that that equity became the deposits on my first properties. And so as far as I'm concerned, everything in my portfolio is free. Is free. Mm. Yeah, it's all been 100% bank finance. Yeah, it's just your time and, and your energy, isn't it? Yeah. Which means, yeah. as far as I'm con- concerned, it, it is all infinite return. So mm. I you, agree with you. You're not even making that 5% extra in Kensington. I mean, it, 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 you just blow it away completely because we're not talking about sort of fine margins and little tweaks here and there. We're talking about, you know, is it an 8% return or an infinite return? Yeah. 5% return or an infinite return? Yeah. And if so, if you can actually get the right finance in place, there's no comparison. You're, no, you're, there not, isn't. you're, not, you're not comparing apples with apples. No. You're, you're 20%. If you just if you go and buy a property at average value, you know, maybe do a little refurb on it. Don't don't refinance it. I think you get 15, 20 percent return on capital 
as a minimum just from doing a plain vanilla Vitalet if mm. you do it in the right way. Mm. Um, but as soon as you start employing these techniques, you're very quickly at 30, 40, 50, mm. hundreds, or as most people will sort of say, can't be true, infinite. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which is why sometimes I get a little bit sort of, um, I wouldn't say snarky, but a little bit frustrated when people come up to me and they'll say something like, well, I'm thinking about refinancing one of my properties, but I've got, uh, I've got a fixed rate mortgage on it. And if I, if I refinance it now, I'll end up paying like an extra 2% on my mortgage. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, get your money out. Yeah. Because if you can get your money out and you can get a 30 or 40% return on that money just with a basic vanilla buy to let, or depending on how you structure it, an infinite return, who cares? You're 38% ahead, aren't you? Well, exactly. Just do it. Oh, no, I'm going to wait two years you know, until mm. my mortgage runs out and then I have mm. to refinance it. No, do it now. Mm. Think about the bigger picture. Yeah. We, we get bogged down in the detail. We need to think about the bigger picture very often. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Um, so just some sort of predictions and, you know, what you think is going to happen Gosh. in, in uh, I, know, I know this is tough and I often just, but, but what, 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 where, where's the market going to be in a couple of years time in terms of capital values and rental levels? Crikey. Do you know, it, it's so hard. And I, I mean, everybody who's listening appreciates how hard this is because as we record this, mm. Boris is asking for another election, mm. which may or may not be just before Christmas. 12th of December. 12th of December. And that could affect everything. Now, as I think you said earlier, I wasn't going to get political, yep. but you said it. You said it looks less likely that uh, our friend JC is going to win. But it all depends. I think it all depends on who's going to be in government, because, I mean, let's face it, nobody at the moment is particularly pro-landlord, but some could be slightly less pro-landlord. Nothing nasty in the Queen's speech. Nothing nasty. Does that mean, might cause no. of, because of Brexit, I don't know. Well, they can always slip it in later, can't they? Yes. Without apology. Oh, can they? Well, they do, yeah. don't they? I mean, oh, they, don't, they, don't yeah. put, they don't put absolutely everything in. No. Okay. Sometimes yeah. the minister just sits in his office on a Monday morning and thinks, what shall I do today? Do and they come one. up with something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that can happen. But if things go the way that we're looking... I would imagine there's going to be some kind of post-Brexit bounce. One would imagine that if there is an election... It, feel, it feels like it. There's got to be, because, because people have been sitting on their hands, notwithstanding what I've just said about yeah. it's patchy, but all the patches where people are sitting on their hands, you think there's got to be some kind of a bounce. It's just like the last recession, people sitting on their hands. I remember we, we came out and let's say, all right, London went berserk 2010 onwards. But, you know, out here, we didn't get it till maybe 2012, 2013, but it really started motoring. Mm. Um, there are all these people I'm hearing continuously, you know, Asians, you know, middle, people from the Middle East, uh, maybe, you know, some Americans, uh, quite a few Europeans. They're not in sterling. They're either, you know, they've either got their, their savings in euro or, you know, maybe, you know, Chinese rumbini or, I don't know, maybe you'd have... Some, some, some in the Middle East in, in, in some, some other currencies. Um, and, you know, it, it, say you've got somebody, I don't know, an investor with dirham, and they're then converting that into sterling. Uh, they're probably 25, 30% ahead mm. because versus 2016 because pound sterling's depreciated so much off the back of Brexit or Brexit uncertainty. And in addition... Certainly around central London, the values have dropped 20, 25%. Mm. So those guys, uh, I've been saying this for a while, but the FT has caught up and there was an article on it a couple of days ago 
saying in real terms, um, they're about 45%, maybe 50% cheaper um, properties are for those investors than they were in 2016. Mm. Um, but, you know, the I'd say the clever ones are probably coming in now, but clearly the market hasn't lifted that much, so there aren't that many of them. Most of them will pile back in when the certainty yes. and the newspapers tell them it's all safe and time to do it. Yes. Um, so... Uh, Clearly, there's going to be a bounce, isn't there? But when's the end of Brexit? I mean, well, exactly. Yeah. And it all depends on whether there's an election and are the opposition going to agree with Boris that there should be an election? I mean, they, it seems to be a sort of a bit of a political game where they can keep him in limbo for the next few months and but, try and make him look stupid. But Jeremy Corbyn's been saying for at least the last year, bada, 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 what we should have is a general election. Yes. And that's all he ever seemed yes. to say. Yep. And then it turned into... Um, oh, we only want a general election if we can secure uh, an extension and, and not definitely have a no deal. Well, it looks like the EU is going to do that today. So um, what other possible reason could he not want a, an election for? You know, mm, well, what, I think we know. You know, yes. I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The polls aren't going very well for him, are they? Which is interesting, given yeah. the difficulty that, you know, the, the Conservatives are having with Brexit. You'd imagine they'd be mashed. You would have thought so. You would have thought so, but actually it doesn't seem to be working that way. No, I I think it's his uh, McDonald's ineptitude, which is clearly great unless he becomes prime minister and then it's really going to cause us all a lot of problems, I think. Well, it could, could, yes. I mean, it's going to depress, probably depress values and we'll we'll get some cheap stock, uh, but we're going to have to uh, check, you know... I don't know, use the jib to uh, move the cell a little bit again and, uh, and, and change tack. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's one of the things which I, I love about being part of this uh, community is the fact that there's so many clever people like yourself mm. who will be able to give us some guidance as to how we actually do that. I mean, this is part of the reason why I'm actually looking at doing developing now and not on the basis that I'm not going to get rid of my portfolio, but the way the political winds are blowing, people mm. who can provide affordable housing are probably going to be more popular than... Parasitic landlords. Yes. Well, I've got a couple of friends who are now building for um, building affordable houses for housing associations. Uh, seem to be doing quite well. And obviously, JC and his pals say they're going to support that. But mm. I don't know whether that means they're not going to get the private sector to do it. And they're going to well, well they'll, what they'll probably do is throw a load of public money at um, I don't know quasi public institutions and expect them to do it they won't do it loads of money will be wasted and they'll be back to the private sector mm, i presume mm, mm. which uh, which could be quite good for you well it could be it might take a little while for that process to actually unravel though before they realize they that's need the us. problem isn't that it? is the problem it's a bit so like this landlord stuff now mm. rents are rising well they were told rents were going to rise significantly mm. when they started all this i suspect rents are going to have to get to a you know, a reasonably elevated level before somebody says enough. Mm. Um, fine, they can try rent control. Then there'll be even less landlords uh, and the quality of properties will deteriorate even more. Mm. Um, at some point, someone will have to say, well, this is madness and we're going to have to reintroduce some free market economic thinking into this. And uh, <laughs> Well, that's why everything's a cycle, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I, I hate to confess this because it makes me feel really old, but as a young surveyor, one of the very first jobs which I used to do in the early 80s was going down to see the rent officer to actually work out what the rent should be on the local rented houses mm. when I was working up in Wimbledon. Uh, this is way before uh, my time, but, it, you know, we, we can learn things from uh, 
from, from people and it was like a nightmare. There. And as you say, there, there was hardly there was hardly any private rental stock because of, thing, that. because of that. Yeah. And the rent officer had had a card system. You can go and look at the, the sort of four by six cards in, in the in the drawer to find out what rents had been given on particular properties. It's the old comparable basis. We yeah. Know, so if it was like a forget what the rents would be because it's going back to the early eighties when we're talking about shillings. Fine. So you just look at equivalent houses, yeah. look at what rent had been achieved in the private or, market. Or awarded. Awarded. Or, or, or awarded by the rent officer. Uh, that, that's sort of, it's, I, I mean, clearly the whole comparable thing is a little bit, because if everything's just based on comparables, how can anything ever exactly. rise? But with that, that's even worse, because mm. that's just some notional, I'm going to award X, the, you know, this property yeah. X rent, and and therefore... It's not based on a market or mm. or or on you know what somebody's prepared to pay. Mm. So it could be artificially inflated or mm. depressed according to that individual's whims. Mm. And how can rents ever rise or fall? If- yeah. Well, that was a difficulty. I mean, there, there obviously would have been open market re- lettings, but the, the point was that I mean, because of security of tenure, hardly anybody ever moved anyway. Which yeah. meant there were very few open market lettings. To actually use as evidence because so they were protected most, tenancies. Because of protected tenancies, which yeah. meant most of the evidence was just whatever the rent came out of the rent office's head. Yeah, so then you end up with a stodgy, really stodgy market. Um, you know, the, the labour market isn't able to move around the country in response to what business, you know, and, and the jobs market is is is, is requiring, uh, and the economy suffers. Mm. Mm. Jobs suffer, wages suffer. Yeah. Uh, are yeah. we going back there? I hope not. I, I hope mean, not. I mean, you'd think that history, we'd learn from history, but we don't, do we? Well, Jeremy's not interested in, in, in all that, is he? I, I think it's uh, it's a different agenda. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Ideology. Mm. Yeah. There we go. But in every problem, there's an opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, the guys that used to buy those protected tenancies and then turn it into something that wasn't any longer protected, they did rather well, didn't they? They did, because yeah. the discount against the notional value was... 50%? Yeah, often. easily. Yeah. Easily. Because you'd, you'd never expect to get vacant possession, though. That was why. Mm. But if you did get vacant possession for whatever reason. Give them some money. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Then the obviously, yes, quids in. Yeah. But I think all in all, things are better the way they are now. And hopefully yeah. the politicians will take a step back away from the ideology and think, actually, you know, there's what, two or three million people now living in rented accommodation? For a reason. Mm. Do you we know, really be, want them out on the street? Because they, they, quite a lot of them actually want that mm. tenure mm. because they maybe want the flexibility of being footloose mm. or more footloose. Okay, so Peter, thank you. Uh, I appreciate you, you coming out with them, some, some more ideas in, in terms of what you're doing currently and, and also the predictions. I hate the prediction stuff. And uh, with the Brexit thing, I often just don't answer it because I just think I, I can't provide anything of value but you certainly um you certainly went down that road and i appreciate it so thank you um how can people learn more about you or get in contact with you yeah well first of all obviously come to progressive and i do the four-day masterclass, which is a great course uh give you all the foundational knowledge you need to get into property so that's www.progressiveproperty.co.uk yeah yeah come and see us on the masterclass. If you want to learn a little bit more about me as an individual, you can come to my website, which is thepropertyteacher.co.uk, where you'll find my blog, 
and loads of videos and some free resources and some which you have to pay for, all sorts of stuff there. But come and see me at The Property Teacher. Oh, and you'll find me on YouTube as well, of course, and Facebook under The Property Teacher. Peter, thank you very much. Um, I've, I've certainly gained a, a good chunk of knowledge from this interview and I hope uh, our listeners have too. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. That has been Mark Homer for Mark My Words.